The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Welcome in to the Action Line from WGNS. This morning, we're going to talk about something that hopefully will help you feel better. And visiting with us this morning, a gastroenterologist, Bob Bischoff, who is new to Murfreesboro, relatively new. Yes, sir. Yeah, Halloween last year. That's a frightening time to start. (laughs) (laughs) But a great town here. So you got to enjoy all of the winter months, Yep. which uh, one day is winter, the next day is spring and <laughs> and that's the way it is still yes it's one day it's winter next day it's spring absolutely so and you came here from where west michigan so our winters are maybe a little different yeah yeah a little bit a little bit it would be uh, ankle deep in snow you know usually by uh november december something like that so so definitely a little bit different so well one of the things that we enjoy here is uh talking about snow and pretending that we have it but uh <laughs> nothing compared to what you have up there yeah and that's okay yeah i retired the <laughs> snow shovel so that's good <laughs> well welcome to to murfreesboro yeah nice to be here this is and i didn't even realize this was a celebration day uh this is irritable bowel syndrome awareness month ibs Inflammatory bowel syndrome. Inflammatory. Okay. I don't know why I thought irritable. Why did, is, do other people? There's a couple different, couple different types. So inflammatory bowel disease is like an autoimmune inflammatory disease where irritable bowel is more of. Okay. So there is a different, Mm -hmm. uh, there is an, that has to be confusing to people. Absolutely. uh, Tell us about the inflammatory type, uh, since that's what we're, uh, focusing on today. yeah yeah so uh, you know there's two different entities with inflammatory bowel disease one is ulcerative colitis and then the other one is crohn's disease um they're pretty different in their their way that they present um but uh they're both kind of along the same vein as far as like what what we think causes them and, and why they where how they present um, but as far as, you know, how they look, you know, from the inside and how people feel a little bit different. So, um, but yeah, Crohn's disease is kind of a, um, system wide whole body type disease. It can happen anywhere from the mouth all the way to the back end and it kind of jumps around and, uh, it's, uh, it can cause a lot of, uh, pretty extreme symptoms. Um, and then ulcerative colitis is more of sort of isolated just to the colon, um, and so both of these, usually they present initially with just a lot of GI symptoms and you know, a lot of diarrhea, a lot of bleeding, abdominal pain. If it gets really bad, weight loss, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but there's even some things that happen outside of the, the actual GI tract that, uh, um, will pop up on people. Sometimes people get rashes and bruising on their knees, bruising on their abdomen. That's related. Sometimes they get joint pains. And that's related. So there's a lot of different things, and it's a it's very much a systemic thing that really starts to affect people's lives. And and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's common. It's like one in a hundred people in the wow. U.S. Yeah. Now is this brought on by the food we eat, by uh, our heredity, or what causes it? 
Yeah, we're we're trying to pin that down. I, I think you know over the last uh, you know it really they first discovered this uh, you know ulcerative colitis you know around late 1800s is when they first really sort of nailed it down as far as what they were looking at. And with Crohn's disease, it was like early 1900s. So this is a relatively recent recent kind of uh, thing, um, at least as far as what we know. And it's about four parts that we think are kind of components to this. Um, there's sort of an inheritable portion to this. You know, there's uh, a likelihood that there's someone that if they have Crohn's disease or they have ulcerative colitis, they can actually pass it down to their children about Maybe 2 to 10% of people will do that. So not super high, but higher than the general population. And then if two people have it, say if you know a couple of Crohn's people meet at a support group or something and uh, they get married and they're like, oh, geez, and they have kids and they're like, oh, those kids are going to have it for sure. Well, not so much. It's only about a third people will, will get it. So not a guarantee. So that's the inheritable portion. Then there's a, uh autoimmune portion it's where... Um, we know that the actual the body is attacking itself, where with ulcerative colitis, it attacks the colon and just the inner portion of the colon. And then with Crohn's disease, it attacks anywhere in the GI tract, um, and it can jump around. And we know that there's this reaction that the body just decides that it's going to start attacking the GI tract wall, and that's it. So that's the autoimmune portion. Then there's what we think is like a dietary portion to this that... You know, people with, unfortunately, you're not going to like this, but people eating Western diets, so high-fat diets, oh anything my. with red meats, <laughs> okay. processed meats like sausages and things like that. Um, what about fried food? Yeah, fried foods too. Um, <laughs> high sugar. Um, Sounds it, like our normal menu. <laughs> right. Standard Western fare, right. Um, all of these things they, they know have been linked to sort of increased risk of, of inflammatory bowel disease. You know, uh, uh, reducing reduced amounts of fruits and vegetables and fiber, things like that. All of these things are components. So um, we know that that's, you know, kind of puts it puts people at risk. Now, you're um, not going to tell us the Mediterranean diet is what we should be eating. <laughs> it, is, it is one of the diets they recommend, yes, to, what, to lower I, the risk. What are we going to hear this message I'm i know <laughs> i know it's just over and over again you know it's just a it's like our just a we just put it on repeat and you know <laughs> we should just hand out pamphlets right here you go mediterranean <laughs> you have diet. To drink so much water a day too well you know if you're if it's active if you know if you have this obviously then yeah you're going to be super dehydrated from all the diarrhea and stuff but um uh, typically you know we just you know staying well hydrated in general it helps with fiber you know it increases fibers sort of effectiveness um, yeah, it's interesting that we, we talk about different diseases, but we always have the same uh, eat the Mediterranean diet, <laughs> drink a lot of water, exercise. Yep. Uh, if we would just do those basic things. Don't smoke, don't drink. You know. We would eliminate all of our problems. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing, right? Just uh, burning our candle at both ends really is not great for our bodies. Imagine that. Now, are the would the person who gets this disease are they mostly men, women, or is it an equal opportunity? Yeah, it's really kind of an equal opportunity kind of disease. You know, with with ulcerative colitis, it's you know equally effective between males and females. You know, kind of all demographics really. Um, Crohn's disease is a little bit more common in in Caucasians, but um, we're starting to notice an increase in like Asians and, and uh, Hispanics as well. Because they're eating the same food we're eating, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. And what's really interesting is that the um, uh, you know obviously with developed nations, you know the the rates of of inflammatory bowel disease 
are starting to sort of teeter off as far as you know because we've we've really saturated we've reached the rate that we're going to develop it and the developing countries that have actually started to sort of engage with the western diets and start eating like we do their rates are starting to sky you know skyrocket as well so you know it's i think we it's a part of now we hear or at least i've heard a lot about crohn's disease uh what is crohn's disease and uh because a lot of people we run into these days seem to have Crohn's. Mm-hmm. What is that, and and how can you avoid it? Yeah, it's uh, so Crohn's disease. It uh, it starts the most common site at the end of your small bowel, right at that connection point between the small bowel and the colon. But it can happen anywhere. Sometimes people will develop ulcers in their mouth, and that's related to Crohn's disease. Sometimes they will develop, you know, upper GI tract type illness that's related to inflammatory Crohn's disease where you know they'll actually have ulcers and you know a lot of irritation and with Crohn's disease it's a full thickness disease meaning that the inflammation that that autoimmune process that's attacking the bowel actually can penetrate all the way through and it cause huge deep ulcers and actually can cause you know perforations like holes um, it can cause these little they call fistula um, which are like tracks um, through the bowel and then can actually over time that inflammation can actually scar down the bowel to the point where you have obstructions and things like that so you need surgery mm-hmm. um, so it's a you know it's a very much a very active inflammatory disease and it can just jump all over the place um, so it's uh, yeah it's uh, it's pretty common and it's it's uh, can start out insidiously but Sometimes people come in with, you know, very severe symptoms and and it just causes a lot of problems. Now, is this type of disease, is this one that has grown over the years as our eating habits changed? I mean, you go back several years and people lived on farms and they ate fresh food out of the gardens. Uh, no processing or anything of that sort. Uh, didn't eat fast food. There was nothing. There was no fast food. Yep. So did we not have those problems back then? Yeah. The rates, uh, you know, initially, like I said, they first spotted this thing or at least put a name to it back in the early 20s. So that was when they realized that this was uh, um, a different entity than, you know, ulcerative colitis, uh, which was diagnosed a little bit earlier. Um, and uh, the rates have just been creeping up, you know, much like a lot of the autoimmune diseases that we see today are, you know, kind of really weren't around 150 years ago, or at least we're at very low levels. So, yeah, very much related to the kind of diets and, and sort of behaviors that we're eating. Also, there's a they're thinking that there might even be a, like a bacterial component to this. We're, we actually, they're, over the last 10 years, they've, uh, they're undertaking the human microbiome project where they're basically trying to figure out all of the different kinds of bacteria that live on every hole and nook and cranny in our body and and sort of pin that down and what they're finding is that we actually have this very delicate balance in our guts between the huge amount of bacteria that live there and our and the walls of our guts that they're actually they're sort of held in balance with each other they keep each other in check and it's when this gets out of check and out of whack that you know, antibiotics, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, that we just sort of uh, prescribe willy-nilly, you know, kind of throughout, uh, you know, the last 50 years or so, 70 years or so, um, that there's this component of this bacterial sort of haywire, out-of-check communication that's that's causing a lot of this too. So, 
Yeah, we're learning a lot. We have a text here from a listener who's asking us, uh, would cleansing our body on a regular basis help us? You know, the because constipation is a huge problem, um, we see that there's, you know, obviously the medications that people are on, narcotics that people are taking, you know, um, keeping the bowels moving regularly actually will sort of regulate those good bacteria and sort of keep things keep things in balance. Um, but as far as preventing, you know, Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, um, you know, basically we just tell people in the office that, you know, we recommend a good healthy diet, that, you know, you're having a bowel movement every day, that things are moving regularly. Um, but doing, you know, like bowel cleanses and, um, you know, you'll see this stuff online with, you know, the gut checks and that will, you know, you take a take a pill and it'll it'll get rid of 20 pounds of stool. And I'm like, well, I, I don't think we're walking around with 20 pounds of stool typically unless you're really constipated. So it's just one of those things where as long as you keep your bowels regular, they've actually even done because the thought that if the bacteria is a component of this, They've actually done stool transplants on people. Really? Yeah. Because um, we, we started doing this with a bacterial infection called C. diff, and we realized that it actually cured the, the C. diff. If they, this bacteria would grow out of, out, of, out of completely out of control, we fixed that with a stool transplant. And then we were like, well, if that works with that, can we do it with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis? Well, what they found was that it, it helped in people with ulcerative colitis to a certain degree if you did it several times. But... Not so much with Crohn's. So it's only a, a piece of the puzzle. We're not quite there yet. Are you finding that certain parts of the United States have more problems with IBS than uh, than other parts? Um, you know, the there's some correlation to latitudes, for sure. Um, there seems to be more of a likelihood for autoimmune processes sort of above the Mason-Dixon, you know, like as, as you move north. There's more likelihood of, of causing autoimmune processes like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. And I think the thought is is that it's probably related to vitamin D. Mm, okay. That it's a, a is component. That sun? Yes, yeah. So vitamin D is obviously something that uh, your body produces and then dumps into the skin so that it can be metabolized by the sun so that you can utilize it. So And obviously... Uh, up in Michigan, where where I'm from, we don't get so much sun for four or five months of the year. So I, that's a, definitely a component as well. So obviously, as we move further and further south, you know, the the sun seems to you know sort of keep that vitamin D at a nice high level all the way through the year, and people do better. So the more sunlight, the better. So Absolutely. if you're down toward the equator, uh, you're going to really be healthy. Yeah. Well, there's a lot less likelihood of it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So uh, there's a reason to go south once in a while. <laughs> That's right. But the the type of food we're eating, you say, that affects it also. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Um, like I said, the the high fat stuff and the the um, uh, low low fiber diets, you know, where we're not getting enough fruits and vegetables, um, because those soluble those fibers that we eat. Um, for the most part, where you know a lot of these fibers that we eat are really not for us; they're actually for the good bacteria that live in our gut. So they actually break that down, and then they actually feed our gut. So the they break down that all that fiber and sort of use it as food, and then as a sort of a gift to us for allowing us the fiber, the gift of fiber. They they give us a little bit of uh, um, sort of a chemical. Um, it's basically like these very simple fats that actually help sort of feed the, the colon wall and feed the gut. So, 
Here, a listener has sent us another text, and this one's asking about uh, milk that they used to drink that had something in it that would be good for your health. And they've forgotten what that is, but uh, are you familiar with that product? You know, there's a, there's several uh, things out there that they call probiotics or have probiotics in them, um, and they're actually super beneficial. Um, we know that certain probiotics are helpful with inflammatory bowel disease, mostly in treating, or at least as far as, like, uh, helping or augmenting the treatment of, of inflammatory bowel disease. But um, anything with a probiotic in it, um, you know, typically it has to be live cultures. So, you know, we typically see probiotics in, um, you know, a lot of um, uh, sort of Asian fermented products like kombucha and kefir, uh, tempeh, miso. Um, and then we also see it in um, Greek yogurt and sauerkraut. And there's several other things out there um, um, that have probiotics, natural probiotics in them. And they actually sort of, again, sort of reset that balance of the good bacteria in the gut. So that, that will certainly help uh, improve things. And it might even, you know, help prevent. But um, but uh, there's no, no guarantees because, again, we know this is only just a piece of the puzzle. Another text here from a listener. Uh, will exercising help you? Yes. Yeah, so you know, typically exercise, you know, will increase, you know, the motility of the gut um, just by the action of, of moving around. Um, um, and that certainly simply improves your cardiovascular health. So that certainly will overall, it just increases your, you know, increases your metabolism, increases your gut flow, you know, blood flow, that kind of thing. So absolutely exercises always a factor and it's most of the things that uh, it's one of those things that is on the checklist of things with all my inflammatory bowel patients that uh, we always recommend so now for people who don't have ibs but are concerned that they might get it in the future uh, is there anything that they should be aware of should they uh, be checking i guess you go to a what family physician and, mm-hmm. and they check you regularly yeah uh, but yeah I've, I've gone to a family physician all along i don't remember any IBS tests? Yeah. So remember, it's inflammatory bowel disease, IBD. Remember? IBD. IBD, okay. remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, with IBD, you know, um, typically the symptoms that people are going to have usually, again, are more abdominal pain, diarrhea. Sometimes people have bleeding from the back end or um, it's things that you would not expect to come out of your behind. You know, you start seeing bread blood or 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 mucus well, that would or, scare most people. yeah yeah right exactly I mean, you, you think immediately of cancer yeah I mean, right 100 percent, and that's one of those things that you know your primary care physician oftentimes will you know send uh send a referral over to a gastroenterologist uh um to have a colonoscopy or something like that to make sure that you don't have ah, something going on so, so colonoscopy yeah is yeah. what's going to check for yes that. so that's the true diagnostic now there's other tests that can help with that and obviously sort of more indirectly there's some blood tests and some stool testing that you know your primary care can, physician can do that will sort of tell us that there's some inflammation in the body but it's very non-specific but if you have a lot of diarrhea and it's just not going away and or if you have a lot of blood in the stool and things like that or um, then uh, a colonoscopy um, would be sort of your next step you know for sure very good. So that's uh, a checkup that you need to have on a regular basis uh, on your younger years, I guess. There's a time, I think, that you don't have to have it any longer. Right. Every, right. What is it, every 10 years or so? 
Yeah, so they, uh, you know, several years ago, they've actually lowered the age for the initial screening age for colon cancer. Uh, So normally we would have done it around 50, but they actually lowered it to 45 because we're actually noticing colon cancers in younger people now. Um, So we want to screen, you know, the average person from 45 to about 75 to 80, somewhere around there. Um, that's your window, and that's where colon cancer tends to pop up. So, when we um, um, when we do these colonoscopies, you know, we're doing them about every ten years. If we see something, then we might need to do them more frequently. But uh, if there's some other cause for bleeding, like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, then you know that will certainly pop up there. Our phone number six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. We're going to pause for just a moment. And we'll be back and continue the conversation. IBD, is that right? IBD, you got it. You got it. We'll have it by the end of the day. That's right. And uh, this is a brand new one for me because I've always heard of IBS. Yes, much Uh, more common. IBS is much more common. Okay. Well, we got the unique one here, obviously. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We're all about saving you money. I'm Dave Ramsey on WGNS, Rutherford County's place to talk. Weekdays from 1 to 4 on WGNS. When it comes to your home, memories and sentimental value are priceless. Fair Construction can remodel your home or can update your kitchen, bath, or other rooms. I'm Ron Hall. If you can dream it, Fair Construction can turn it into reality. Call Farrah Construction at 615-893-6120. That's Fair Construction. I'm Ron Hall. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Farrah Construction Company. Good morning. It's still limping along there through the Jolton area. I say cleanup and accident's been up there for a while. Everybody's just rubbernecking because it's in its cleanup stages on 24 eastbound just past that Jolton exit. Still a lot of traffic coming out of Sumner County right now from Gallatin into Hendersonville. That's heavy on uh, Vietnam vents going westbound. Uh, just trying to get past Saundersville Road. Uh, still heavy traffic in Wilson County, or should I say coming in from Wilson County there through the, uh, the Hermitage area from an earlier problem. Prince's Hot Chicken is catering. They're online for that menu at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck, your on-time traffic. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, a high in the mid-70s. Winds out of the southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 45. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 45. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. If you've been listening to WGNS recently, you realize that this year marks the 50th anniversary for Oakland and Riverdale High School here in Murfreesboro. 50th year. Well, that's going to be a neat reunion. Gwen Green, who started as a freshman at Central High School on East Main Street, was one of the first to graduate at Oakland High School, and that was uh, back in 1973. Things were a little different back then. One of the odd things for me, I lived right across from Central. So I was able to walk to school every day. So I was the only child in my family that actually got to drive to high school because we had to go all the way out to Oakland. 
And Oakland High School's 1973 class president was Miles Lane. He recalls his first day at school in that brand new school. We had brand new carpet and we had modular classrooms and huge cafeteria and everybody was excited to go to the new schools. And at the same time, we had been with each other for three years at Central as a whole class and then were split up. Half went to Riverdale and half went to Oakland. And we understand that a 50-year Oakland and Riverdale class reunion is slated for June the 2nd and 3rd. So put that on your calendar, June 2nd and 3rd. Chuck Lewis, who was part of that first Oakland High School, Riverdale High School graduating class, told WGNS. To the family and friends of the 73 grad that might not know about this, please inform them of our website at OaklandRiverdaleClass1973.com, and that'll give them all the ability to register for the event. We've set up a deadline of May 15th to register. So make it a point to join in if you're a part of that class and celebrate your 50th class reunion. Pretty unique there. WGNS News Time is now 3 or 8.34. Good morning to you. There is no safer place in the storm. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro. FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, TV 11. Welcome back. We are continuing our conversation on I. D R I help me out there. I B D. I B D. You got it. Inflammatory bowel disease. Okay, that's a topic I bet you didn't think you were going to have this morning, but uh, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yep. And uh, with us this morning, relatively new, he moved here uh, back in Halloween. Uh, so he's been here for a little while through the fall and winter, and now he's getting a taste of spring, fresh from uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, <laughs> I, I, I'm happy for you. I mean, we went up to uh, Michigan last summer, and I was in, the thing that impressed me was it was cool, even in the summertime. I think 60s, 70s in the daytime, uh, and at night it was cold. <laughs> but uh, and, and you you lived there all the time. Yeah, yeah, we had. Uh, um, I think you know you you spend most of your most of your life there. You, you get that nice thick skin going, you know, and you know, so you, you get used to the you know the weather and and uh, you know people come up to visit and they're and they are rapid to get back on the plane and, and leave in the middle of winter for sure. Doctor Rob Bischoff is with us. He is a gastroenterologist from Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital. And if people need a gastroenterologist, do they usually know that they need a gastroenterologist? Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of GI you know complaints, and you know, it's about sixty percent of of admissions to the hospital for our GI complaints. So pretty common. Yeah, a lot of reflux, a lot of nausea, um, abdominal pain, you know, diarrhea, constipation. It's a it's a it, it's never a boring day in a gastroenterology office. That's for sure. So. Yeah. Everybody's in pain. Though. Yeah, it's a variety <laughs> show. Yeah. Well, so many people are on so many different medications that, you know, there's side effects to all of those, you know. And Is that one of the, the big problems these days? Too many medications out there? And Yeah. Yeah. They actually even created a word for it, polypharmacy, um, that uh, people are just on too many meds. And the, the side effects of one med are being treated by another med, and that med has side effects. And, 
you know, so, you know, a lot of times as we get older, less is more, you know, yeah. so. I'm, I'm not doing a plug for these folks, but I, <laughs> my wife gave me an Apple Watch for Christmas. And part of the material you put into it is uh, what are your medications, whether it's a prescription or if it's uh, vitamins or something of that sort. And it tells you, hey, these potentially can have some problems. Yep. Uh, and it'll tell you which one, so you can check with your physician. So, and it's it's getting to be a, a, a you know sort of complicated world these days. Yeah, I think you know with the addition of the internet and um, all of this this you know great sort of access to health, you know either on the computer or whether it be you know access to your chart. Um, you know, through, you know, through Ascension software, um, you know, you have a greater grasp on, on the information, or at least as far as you can be a better advocate for yourself, as far as, you know, knowing your own health and knowing, you know, because back in the day, people were just like, I don't know, that's what my doctor told me to take. And so I, but nowadays, you can look all these things up online. And if you have questions, you can work through them. And, um, but, uh, I always tell people, you know, the internet is like, is like trying to take a sip from a fire hose. It's, there's a lot of information there. And uh, a lot of times there can be some, some misinformation there. So always best to kind of consult with a physician before you just start oh, absolutely. going off on <laughs> doing your own thing. I'm, I'm sort of surprised these days with all of the TV commercials about, uh, tell your doctor you need this medication. <laughs> Wow, I can't even say that word. What? <laughs> yeah. Does that? Uh, what do you think when a patient comes in and says, "I need for you to uh, prescribe such and such <laughs> for me"? Yes, yes. The, uh, uh, the the this is kind of unique to the United States, uh, and I think maybe one other country where um, the pharmaceutical companies actually have access to you know to be able to advertise to you know the general population on TV and stuff. Uh, so. Um, it's helpful, uh, you know, I think to a certain extent, you know, because it, if, if you have, you know, that case so with inflammatory bowel disease in particular, um, some of the medications that we use for severe disease, um, are in the class that they call biologics that are, you know, the ones that you typically would see online, you know, that, uh, um, would use be like I said, we would use to treat pretty severe disease. And, you know, these are medications that will modify your immune system, you know, sort of suppress that autoimmune response that, you know, your immune system's being overactive. So that's largely what we're doing at this point is just sort of treating the inflammation, treating the immune reaction, just suppressing it. So, um, when people come into the office and say, well, Hey, what about this, this medication or what about that medication? And, you know, I, I, I'm happy to have discussions with them about that, you know, as far as like, you know, why that medication might be good for them or why it might be not good for them or whether or not they would even qualify or something like that. So here's a, another text from a listener. This one's asking about their immune system. And they said they never thought about it too much until COVID's pandemic period. And then they suddenly wanted to start building up their immune system. Uh, is that a good thing to do? And does it impact your business, your area? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, with with the autoimmune process, you know, we're actually, you know, we're using medications that largely suppress the immune system or bring the immune system down because we don't want it to, we almost kind of want to put it to sleep. You know, we want it to be quiet and not attack the, you know, the bowels or attack the upper GI tract. So, you know, the medications that we're using are trying to kind of keep that quiet. But 
you know, when things are quiet, you know, because these inflammatory bowel disease can cause flares, you know, where the disease will sort of say be quiet and be calm and then all of a sudden it will just completely go out of control. You know, those are the med- those are the times when, you know, we want to sort of knock it back down, but when things are quiet, when the disease is calm, then absolutely we want to, you know, keep your immune system as healthy as possible. We want to keep you away from infections because infections can cause a flare. Um, and we want to keep, uh, um, you know, the immune system's kind of made of these little factories almost that, so without raw materials, the factories don't work so well. So, you know, vitamin. It's a very delicate balance, it sounds Absolutely. Like. Um, you know, and we don't get enough of the, the, med- the sort of minerals and nutrients that are, in, that are in fruits and vegetables, um, that help boost our immune system or boost our immune response. Um, we don't get enough of those. So I think more of those will be, are always helpful because, you know, vitamin C and, um, and zinc and um, vitamin D, all of these things are immune sort of boosting type things. So absolutely. And now, it, are we better off? You mentioned the lack of sunshine uh, as you go north. Uh, sunshine has a positive impact on us. It also has a negative impact. Are we better off? Taking our sunshine in vitamin pills versus the real thing. Um, you know, the there's a sort of, you want to be in medicine, you want to be in sort of right down the middle. You never want too little of a thing. You never want too much of a thing. You never, there's always a place where, you know, people will say, well, if eating eating fish is good, what if I just eat fish all day long every day? We're like, well, <laughs> maybe that's not so good because there's heavy metals in the fish, especially the larger ocean fish. So, you know, you want to sort of, you want to get the benefit of the, the fatty acids that are in the fish, but you don't want to get too much of them. You know, too much, uh, too little sunlight is bad because you're not metabolizing that vitamin D to sort of increase your energy and, and sometimes it can affect blood pressure, so it can help blood pressure. Um, and but too much too much sun obviously increases your risk of melanoma and skin cancer and things like that. So you know we always stay we always say and especially in people that are on these these um, medications for inflammatory bowel disease, you know your immune system is a little suppressed, so your likelihood of responding to skin cancers and things like that are a little bit less. So we always say you know make sure you use sunscreen. You know, anytime you go outside and, you know, make sure you're limiting your sun exposure to, you know, no more than 30 to 60 minutes a day. So not just laying out in the sun all day long. That's not good for you. So IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, is totally different from what we started out thinking we were talking about. <laughs> yes. Uh, of IB, in irritable bowel syndrome. Yes. Uh, do a lot of your uh, patients come in confused? Or, or is this, because I mean, the people who are doing IBS are doing a, a great PR job, I guess. That's the one you think of. Yeah, so um, IBD is, you know, kind of like the things we talked about. You know, there's the, it's an autoimmune process largely. There's, you know, there's some inheritable component. There's a dietary component. There's um, a gut bacterial component to it. With IBS, it's actually... Um, most people, it is a sort of brain-gut miscommunication problem, you know, where the average person has, say, 
um, the sort of nervous diarrhea when you have a presentation at work or when you have some sort of um, uh, a new job interview that's coming up, people tend to get a little queasy, a little have a little crampy in the in the in the in the belly, and then they sometimes will have a little bit of diarrhea after that. That's kind of a normal sort of gut response um, to anxiety to to stress. Um, but in people with irritable bowel, that it, that that sort of brain gut communication is exaggerated. So when the average person just has a little bit of discomfort, these people with irritable bowel, they have massive discomfort all the time, um, and um, it can go either way. So sometimes people, they respond to stress by they have a lot of diarrhea, and that's their irritable bowel component. Some people have constipation, but they go the other way. So they completely stop up. They slow down to nothing. Um, But the difference between irritable bowel and inflammatory bowel is that if we see you know, via colonoscopy, something like that. Um, inflammatory bowel, like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, there's usually inflammation there. So we get biopsies, there's inflammation. We see it, it looks like ulcers and angry. It's bleeding, it's very friable. It just sort of falls apart when you touch it. So very angry tissue, you're, you can stare at it and you're like, yep, that's not normal for sure. Um, with irritable bowel, I can do biopsies head to toe, I can do CAT scans, blood tests, cross the board, everything will be normal. And and that's kind of our, our differences because it's a it's a brain gut component that causes the irritable bowel, whereas inflammatory bowel it's very much a you know, your immune system's destroying the tissue, so attacking itself. So here's a, another question from a listener and this one says I don't know which one I have, but I think I have one. Uh, I've been going to the doctor. I've been having problems without having bowel movements for a couple of months. I've tried to have a colonoscopy. Uh, They've tried, but uh, they could not see. uh, They could not do it because every time they attempted, my blood pressure would rise. Uh, I've gone to the emergency room several times. And they don't see that there's a problem. What should I do? I mean, obviously, it sounds like there's a, 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 I don't know if it's a lack of communications or if the disease or, or the problem that this person's describing is so unusual. Uh, what, what would you dis, what would you concern? What would you tell them to do? I wonder. Well, if if it's more of. I guess from what I'm hearing, it sounds like kind of a slow gut, kind of a constipation type issue. You know, and again, it might be medication related, could be irritable bowel related for sure. Um, sometimes people are taking, you know, narcotic medications, which will slow things down, can cause a lot of constipation. I, you know, huge problem. Um, but um, oftentimes in people that are constipated, we try and do a colonoscopy. They, you know, the day before you got to do a bowel prep. That's everyone's favorite part, right? So that's right. <laughs> you're up all lot. night, you know, can't <laughs> eat anything, and then you're just going all day long, all night long. Um, so that bowel prep, um, you know, is designed for sort of the average sort of colon, the average person to clean out. Um, you know, and people with constipation issues and uh, irritable bowel with constipation issues, oftentimes we have to do you know multiple days of liquid diets and sometimes even multiple days of bowel cleanouts. Um, you know, I you know I'm sorry for them because we you know sometimes we have to do that. It was several days of a cleanout to just to get them clean so we can see what we're doing. Um, but typically, inflammatory bowel doesn't typically cause a lot of constipation unless it's causing like an obstruction. You know, where the 
the, if it's Crohn's disease, it'll actually can scar down the colon or scar down the small bowel and actually block off the the sort of flow of, of stool through there and can cause an obstruction or a blockage. But in most cases, it kind of sounds like irritable bowel from, from what they're describing. Um, and um, in most cases, when I see these people in the office, I will try and get them on a normal bowel, get, the, get their bowels going and get them on a normal bowel regimen before I ever even consider a colonoscopy just because it oftentimes is a lot easier and a lot of these symptoms go away the cramping, the abdominal pain, the nausea, the bloating, all of these things will go away once you fix the, the constipation issue. So, Okay. Uh, this person has sent us another note, and they're asking, uh, <laughs> should they contact your office and see about a checkup that they've, they've already, they just finished the cleanse of their colon. Uh, fact, oh, okay. <laughs> it says they've removed the co- a good part of the colon. Ah. Uh, is that the approach to take? Well, it. Well, I guess it's too late to worry. About yeah, that. no. Well, it, I mean, certainly, uh, certainly, an office visit would be probably my next step. At least uh, that's what I would do. Um, why you had the parts of the colon removed? I'm not sure, but sometimes there can be where they do the actual connection points where they because obviously they're messing with your anatomy now when they do surgery like that. Um, you know, you can have um, areas where the connection points get narrowed you know and get scarred down or blocked off or things like that so but if you've gone to the emergency department and they said everything was normal or at least they, they didn't see any blockages that's good that's reassuring um that means that i think an office visit would be something you know that we can help them with all righty tell you what let's do let's pause for just a moment this will be our final pause uh, when we come back we'll be in the final segment so if you have a burning question I didn't mean to say burning question. (laughs) We'll be right back. Receive breaking news, sports scores, traffic, and weather bulletins on your cell phone. Sign up for text alerts at WGNSRadio.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. We have a larger selection than any of the other big box stores. Much better prices. Uh, Selection is wonderful from keyboards, drums, guitars. Ukuleles are big this year. We also have lighting. This is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. Come down and look around. We have what you need. Music World and Drummer's Den is located at 2762 South Church Street, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas' Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat, and I like eating steak, where my wife will end up getting our salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go. You can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas' Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas' Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. 
We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, a high in the mid-70s. Winds out of the southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 45. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 45. Hey, hi, and hello there. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Fun lovers and truth seekers. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS AM FM Online. Welcome back. We are helping you this morning. Hope we are helping you. And we have with us uh, from Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital, gastroenterologist Rob Bischoff. And we're talking about IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, something that uh, obviously if you have it, sometimes people know it, sometimes they don't know it. But uh, what would be the, is there a a good description of how you would feel again uh, for somebody who just tuned in and missed the beginning of the show? What would you feel like if you have IBD? Yeah, so uh, you know, because it's it's an autoimmune process, um, you know, it, it's a, it's attacking that inner lining uh, with ulcerative colitis. It's attacking the inner lining of the colon. Um, with Crohn's, is attacking the full thickness of this of the GI tract. Um, most people will, like I said, they have a lot of abdominal pain. Um, oftentimes, have a lot of diarrhea, blood through in the stool. Sometimes uh, they'll have mucus or or sort of purulent discharge through the back end, all of these things you'd be like, that's not normal. I need to go see somebody for sure. That should at least be your inclination. Um, If inflammatory bowel disease gets very severe and it's untreated, um, people will actually start developing vitamin deficiencies because they're they're not absorbing them because the the GI tract is sort of inflamed enough where it doesn't work very well. Um, They also can develop... uh, um, um, sort of fatigue and weight loss um, um, if it gets severe and um, um, sometimes even you know nausea and rashes, joint pains, things like that so there's a lot of different components to it um, but the, the, usually the earliest components are usually diarrhea abdominal pain and uh, a lot of blood in the stool, things like that Okay, so if you have the opposite of diarrhea, constipation mm-hmm. That means you're probably not that uh, you don't have this disease. I would say it would be much less likely. Yes, absolutely. That'd probably be more likely. You know, and certainly constipation causes a lot of very similar symptoms. You know, a lot of cramping, a lot of abdominal pain, bloating, that kind of thing. And we can see these all with inflammatory bowel disease as well. Um, you know, but I think the major sort of you know thing that you'd see with the constipation is that people are either having you know, in constipation we talk about with people is not just that you're not going every day but sometimes people have incomplete bowel movements where they go a little bit and then they go a little bit later and then they go a little bit later so they're not really really feeling like they're emptying very well Um, or that they're going you know they have small firm bowel movements that are hard to pass you know they they feel like they're having a small child you know (laughs) so these and you need to have when when they say if you are a normal person, you need to have how many bowel movements a day? You know, typically, one to two is is considered you know w- within the norm. You know, in most of the constipation patients that I see, if I can get them to every day, every other day, I think that's pretty good. As long as it's soft but formed, you know, that's what we're looking for. You know, um, consistency and is is the is the key to the game. So as long as it's we're not losing a lot of water like we see with inflammatory bowel disease. 
Um, but it's also not completely, you know, blocked off where you have to spend hours in the bathroom just to go. So, and drinking enough water a day is is important. Yes. Uh, med- Mediterranean diet. Yep. High fiber. High fiber. Okay. Yep. That's the, that's the thing that's in, important. Yes, and the fiber type is important too. So there's different types of fiber out there. This so now you're see how di- yeah you just keep <laughs> diving deeper, right? So this, there's two types. There's insoluble fiber and soluble fiber. The insoluble fiber just means that when they talk about solubility, it just means it doesn't dissolve in water. So insoluble fiber is kind of like the skins of things, husk of the corn, skin of the potato, things like that. It increases your motility so it makes things move faster so in people with constipation that is a great thing we want them to we want them to bulk up and keep moving so eat the in, skin of the potato yep skin uh, skins of things insoluble fiber you can find some of those in supplement form those will help bulk up your stool and keep things moving with the soluble fiber that's more of sort of things that dissolve in water and most of those are actually just there for the bacteria they are broken down by the bacteria feed the bacteria which helps you know kind of keeps the keeps the bacterial sort mm-hmm. of healthy um but it doesn't help a lot with constipation the soluble fibers don't not typically there's some bulking there but in most cases they don't really help a whole lot um so a lot of times you'll see um uh, the sort of general product the psyllium most of the psylliums don't work particularly effectively with constipation now, before we leave you today, I would I need to tell people how to find you. Where Where is your office? So uh, my office is, uh, there's actually a new uh, facility. Um, it's uh, over on New Salem Highway there. Um, uh, and uh, there's an Ascension building that's like a primary care building there. And right next to that is, uh, is my office um, on New Salem Highway there. Uh, it's uh, 2755 uh, uh, New Salem Highway. And uh, I'm up on the second floor. The first floor is actually the endo suite, so that's where you'd probably meet me for the colonoscopy. But oh, so uh, you actually do it there? Yes, yeah. So if oh, uh, one stop, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Drive through, drive through uh, gastro for sure. Rob uh, Bischoff is our guest today, a gastroenterologist with Ascension St. Thomas, and his office is uh, right there on the New Salem Highway. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And welcome to Tennessee. (laughs) That's also been a pleasure. Much more to come right here. We're going to be learning about Smyrna next. Next.